West Beyond. Carl, Ryan, and Sam review the new movies you may want to see and talk a little news along the way. Venture with them for The Quest Beyond. The Quest Beyond, reviewing the newest movies coming out right now on streaming service. We all know what's going on in the world. Let's not draw any more attention to it. So that's how you're getting it. If it's coming out on streaming, we're talking about it. And on top of that, we talk about the news as well. And boy, is there some news today. It's not just trailers this time. The last couple weeks, trailer heavy. This time, though, there is a wide range to talk about. So we'll get to that very shortly. I'm Ryan Starfire. Hey, I'm Sam McLennan. And I am Kyle, the Lugan of the Seventeens. I don't know why I say it like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just getting in the habit. You'll never change it again. That's true. Today, we're here to talk about Nomadland. You guys might recognize that name. You may have seen Francis McDormand standing in front of a large body of water and rocks. Well, we'll tell you guys what that movie's all about, what we thought about it, and is it a shoo-in for an Oscar, like some people have said. So we got all that to discuss as well. Let's just go to that now. Let's go to the news. Terrible segues before this break, so let's just keep them going. Right into the only trailer we will talk about today. Marvel's showing us some goods. They gave us a teaser trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. They're finally going big with their names, too. I guess Guardians of the Galaxy almost had a longer name, but... They're throwing a lot of words at us just for the poster alone. Are they throwing a lot of the good kung fu, though, is what we want to know. Sam, what'd you think? Well, I think that's the kind of the main star, at least for me, was just seeing the visuals in terms of those fight scenes, the way the fight choreography is going to look on screen. It looks pretty dope. And I think uh, a big part of that I mean, at least for me, when I looked as to who's making this thing, I think they have Bill Pope as their cinematographer, who I believe did the Matrix movies, worked with the Wachowskis, and I think he's done plenty of other uh, crazy action movies. So I'm confident that it's at least going to look good, and that you know that's a, a huge part um, for this franchise because uh, in terms of the character itself, I don't know anything about. Shang-Chi. I don't know anything about nine rings, let alone ten rings. So uh, I'm excited to just jump right in, see what, what they give us. But uh, judging by the action scenes, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be fun. Would you be any more intrigued to know that Ben Kingsley is still the bad guy? <laughs> is he really? No, he's not. Okay. Wow. But I do that hope been a bomb. they sneak something in with that. I mean, I'm down. I thought... I mean, Iron Man 3 was crazy, but uh, Ben Kingsley was, he was doing something in that movie. <laughs> ole, 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 ole. Um, that's a Ben Kingsley reference. <laughs> I am. Definitely Sorry, not no. soccer. Yeah, Definitely not, soccer. not soccer. Only Ben Kingsley. <laughs> no, it happens in the thing. He's like not paying attention with a gun to his head. I, so here's, here's what I'll say. About, let's just get the Ben Kingsley shit out of the way. That is a great bit that it has taken way too long for them to pay off. 
Guy Pierce is not the Mandarin. Tony Liu is the Ma- Leung. Sorry, I get, uh, is that there's too many L last names in this movie. I'm getting them confused. Uh, I forgot I to like me- yeah to say that like Tony Long in an MC movie uh, MCU movie is awesome. It's insane. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, <laughs> and Michelle Yeoh. Like, let's just take Asian movie star royalty and just pay them tons of money <laughs> to likely be in one movie. That's that's okay with me. I appreciate it. Guys, I'm fucking amped. So, I've been struggling with this. I've heard Simu Liu say Shang or Shang-Chi, which I think is how it's said. So, but I I mean my the Anglo-Saxon in me wants to keep saying Shang. So, I'm going to say Shang just cuz that's how he said it. I mean, we'll probably hear it in the movie a ton where then it'll be Mandela and we'll be like, "Yeah, we've always been saying Shang." But this movie now, I feel bad for Ryan because I get, well, see, hearing about it and seeing it are different things. So, but Ryan, there is a splits kick in midair in this trailer. Okay. So you should be sold on the movie immediately. I lost my mind when I saw that. And what I love, this movie looks great. It looks, the cinematography, Bill Pope's doing a great job. He also worked on Jungle Book, so he's clearly had work with effects. I believe he did Spider Man. Two and three, which those are, I mean, Spider-Man 2 to a lot of people is still one of the best comic book movies ever made. This this movie looks like it's supposed to. I'm going to make a joke and then I'll move on that seeing this trailer, I think, brought honor to us all in that they don't talk about honor at all, which is great. I think you truly get to know who Shang is as a person. He's been living this life away from the Mandarin, who is his father, or, like, taken from adopted father. We're not given actual specifics into how special Shang is yet, but we do see him fighting, and holy fucking shit, Simu Liu. I mean, we should have known this after he released that. Did you see the short film he made, Ryan? I did, I did watch that, yeah. Take that, multiply it by 8 billion, because he clearly put in the work... Because the fight choreography in this is amazing. Ivan Drago's son, Victor, plays uh, Razor Fist. Oh, really? Okay. Awesome. Yeah. This movie has a scene that I can't wait for, Sam. I don't know how excited you are for this. That looked like they just took it from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. We're like, yeah, this fits in this Marvel movie. I like. It looks like Wushu, Wirework, Hong Kong style kung fu movies. And I... I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. there's this, there's this amazing battle sequence we're gonna see in the, in the, uh, what, what I would assume is like the history lev- lesson of the Ten Rings, where there's fucking foo dogs running all over the place. The Ten Rings are really cool though, in that they're not finger rings in this Ryan. They're five bands or bracelets that seem to give the wearer power, similar to the comics, but they're. We, now, it's not been officially... Like, we haven't heard it, but Tony Leung is playing Wen Wu, who is this versions of the Mandarin. We're, we see him in, like, multiple different suits. He's in a pimpin' 80s power suit at one point with, like, super small Simu Liu. And he we see him where he's got, like, what I would say is the more traditional Mandarin look where he's got longer hair and he's got a top knot and he's sitting like a boss in front of... Uh, a wall print of the Ten Rings. I think the action in this is awesome. One thing I want to talk to Sam about, 
because I Ryan hasn't seen it, is that I kept seeing like, oh man, this movie looks like John Wick. I want to put this on the record. I love the John Wick movies. John Wick did not invent good choreography. It's existed for like 50 years of cinema. Go watch fucking Drunken Master, Enter the Dragon. Like, get out of here with this movie. Like, there are some shots in this trailer that look very similar to a sequence in Skyfall. Um, do you remember the one, when they're in Hong... No, is it Hong Kong? When they're in that blue lit room. Yeah. When he's trying to stop the assassination. Yeah. But there was a shot in this that was very... I, I think it's the same stunt choreographer from The Winter Soldier who worked on this as well. Or at least part of it. Because there is a scene where Simu... Or Shang knocks a sigh out of the hand of his attacker and like catches it mid-frame. Like into the frame and that really reminded me of the uh, the dagger stuff that bucky did in winter soldier so it looks like they really put in the work um for all of the actors to be as involved with the stunts simu has talked about that he doesn't wear a mask so there's only so much you can do he said he likely has done more stunts than anybody else and that split kick split kick alone shows he put in the flexibility work because that is a lot of work. And Ryan, as a goalie, you can attest to that. Yeah, that. I've had a sore crotch here or there. I'll tell you so, that. <laughs> I've, and Aquafina as his best friend. They go to fucking Disney karaoke. Like, so much of this just felt so authentic. Not in a way where they were pa- patronizing or patronizing to... Like, I think this movie has a really great shot at being something special to a lot of people. I know that for myself, like... Mulan was really upsetting because it was such a wasted opportunity that I just from this trailer, it looks like they have. I mean, we talked about this in our Mulan trailer, like the director has some Asian heritage as well as the writer. And that matters because somebody pretending to be aware of your the immigrant story or a first generation immigrant, which is what Sam and I both are it that that authenticity is really important. And I think we're going to get something really cool that is on the level of the kind of history stuff we got in Black Panther, but it's going to be for an entire group of people who up until this point haven't had this kind of movie made by Western filmmakers. So I think it's really awesome. And it is a, I've watched this trailer probably seven times since it came out. It also has a great uh, rec, uh, music track in it, so that really helps. And there's some really interesting cuts, but I'm really curious to see how they dive into the relationship between shang and the mandarin and like there looks to be like there may be some there's a there's a fight club at some point and the movie has ronnie chang in it and if he's in your movie with all asian people it's going to be a success <laughs> oh there we go it's as we've known for a long time shang chi was always known as the master of kung fu so as long as they are including kung fu, that's probably a good sign. We're going to see some cool shit. I really hope this is not a case then, because you guys are hyping up the action, that this is not the best action that's in this trailer. I'm hoping for a lot of cool shit. You don't see any... any I, 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 again, with a teaser, they don't show what I would consider to be like the climactic fighting of it. We see like bits of it. The most we see, I think, sequentially... Um, is a fight on a bus which is really cool because it's a confined space so how they use the environment is really important but we see 
a kick between the Mandarin and Shang. Uh, and then we get snippets of stuff. So I think they've done a good job of teasing what's to come. But I think what they've teased could be, is going to be really exciting moving forward for what we get in the movie. Well, we only got a few short months to wait for that. September 3rd is what they're forecasting right now for the release of this. Now, it's probably going to be a theater only at that point in time. We'll see what Disney Plus and the pandemic say between now and then. But this one's coming out this year. It's coming quick. We at least get to look forward to this bad boy. Now, on top of that, Disney Plus might not be given that one right away. But, and jumping back to last week, Sony... Is just making deals all over the board. They're just walking around town, handing out properties like candy. It's April. It's not October. The hell is this? Disney Plus, Sony, a deal to get all that Marvel stuff. Now going to be on Disney. I can watch Tobey Maguire on Disney Plus. It's all I ever wanted. Yeah, they must have. They must have heard my or read my letters that I've been sending <laughs> after all this time. Good lord. So yeah, we talked about Sony and Netflix and their big deal. What do we think about this Disney Plus and Sony deal? Is Sony giving us some warning signs, or is this just good business? Well, what exactly? So can we go over the the specific here? Like, so they're handing stuff over to Disney Plus. Uh, but only after it's been on in VOD, then Netflix, or is it like when the Netflix contract expires, everything goes to Disney Plus? It's the Marvel content. So the only anything Marvel. they yeah. do with the Spider-Man related universe will have its traditional rollout VOD and whatever. And then as opposed to going anywhere else it's going to disney plus which i think this strategy is really clever it is a way of them to double dip where they actually have the control anything that is not spider-man mcu related or sorry marvel outside of i think never mind i'm not going to finish that sentence because i'm uncertain but it's a clever way of cultivating a huge viewer base already that just is seemingly expanding by the day with Disney Plus and then putting your other content out that is not going on VOD onto Netflix. So it's a way of them drawing attention to two different aspects of the studio. And I, quite frankly, like I've been, I don't, I guess I wasn't on the record during the whole debacle in the fall of 2019, but I thought Sony was actually in a, a good place, like a great place of strength when it came to, all right, we like not wanting to deal with Disney because Far From Home had just made a billion dollars. They had won the Oscar for best animated feature and Venom somehow made a billion dollars. So <laughs> they, I think it's wise for them to, can, I personally don't think this Spider-Man agreement is ending anytime soon. I remember, I don't, I'm sure you guys saw, when they said, like, when they made up and kissed, that we're getting him in two more spot. we're getting a Spider-Man movie, and then two more, I, there's no way that's it. With this agreement, I think it settles the collective stakes that we're playing ball with Marvel. We own Tom Holland, he's our actor, but it makes sense for us to continually put him in these things, because it's more exposure for him, and we get most of the profits from those Spider-Man movies. 
And just to clear it up, it's put here, new Sony films will hit theaters first, then paid rentals and purchases, then Netflix, and then they'll head over to Disney platforms for the long run. Interesting. Wow. So a lot of handoffs there. I mean, like you said, uh, you know, they're double dipping. Sony's beat like playing, you know, next level chess with their properties here. Like they clearly know what they're doing. They they're they're in it for the long haul. You know, they 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 skipped making their own their own streaming service. So hey, like let's just try and strategize and figure out the best avenues for our valuable properties essentially and putting it on something like Disney plus primarily their uh, Marvel properties. Like they know where the, you know, a majority of the comic book fans are going to watch some of these movies. So why not throw that stuff on there too? Right? Like just keep, keep the fandom fed. So we said last week, it's smart and it's good for everyone. Sony, Netflix and us, this is just kind of, I got Netflix, I got Disney Plus, so I'm just going to get to see these things. It's just going to change hands in eight months or whatever it's going to be. But I'm wondering, does Netflix get a little pissed about this? Yeah, yeah. Netflix is kind of, you know, they're getting, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, they probably felt like they were getting this great deal last week, and then now they're like, oh, what? Like, we don't get to keep it forever? And it's like, every time... And it happens every week. Netflix puts a new movie on. That becomes number one on their top ten list. And it's always a random movie. Thunder Force can be number one for two days or whatever. So, like, it's guaranteed when these come out, and the first thing they come out for on free is Netflix, these are going to be their top properties. How long it'll stay there, who knows. But then it's going to be out the door, and it's going to be on Disney Plus for the rest of the time. That's kind of... Do does people just kind of play Disney Plus for the long run? Or are they going to be fine with Netflix and then Disney Plus is not going to benefit at all just because they've just watched it on Netflix? I, I don't know if it really matters where the thing is. I think the biggest part of this whole thing was that they're, they're going to let Marvel use the characters in Disney Plus series. Like, limiting the use of that character, I think, would have been stupid. Like... I think they've reached this happy marriage with Disney. Like, why try to make it more difficult where it's like, actually, I don't need pork now. Like, why are like, don't complicate it. If they want to use Spider-Man, go ahead. You know what I mean? Like, if they're going to develop things, like, the only part of me that's frustrated by this situation is that the wrench thrown into the Sony-verse is Morbius. Because... Venom clearly is on its own. Morbius, we don't know what the fuck's going on. And I know I would have assumed that at least Marvel would have said, here's what we're doing in Doctor Strange, because that would have come out already, as would have Morbius, which may explain this, I don't know, but in general, as a consumer, like, how many of us have multiple of these streaming services? Like, I laughed really hard when we lo- when we got Disney Star because Netflix in Canada has How I Met Your Mother as well as Disney Star. Like, who fucking cares where it is? Most of us, like, I don't think you two have cable, so you just have streaming services. So, if it moves to a service, all right, cool. Um, yeah, that bears a, like a lot of positivity for 
what's going to happen with those characters that Sony's making all these solo films for as well. And that means they can join. They're officially part of the Disneyverse. I think they kind of said Venom is sort of in the MCU. It's like Earth 617. Yeah, it's like... 616. <laughs> so, yeah, how are they going to tie that in with Doctor Strange and all these Spider-Man universes? I got a feeling that's going to answer a lot of these questions of how these characters are going to show up. But, I mean exciting things for us no matter where these things are coming out that just means yeah we're gonna get all this stuff in the mcu if that's what they decide to do with it what oh sorry sam do you have one more thing to add uh only that we should actually all be grateful to morbius himself because he's the one that's actually been you know dealing with the executives and and passing this this whole thing so thank you morbius you know good work just another blood-sucking suit wear in the boardroom. <laughs> while we're talking about... I guess we hadn't discussed this pre-show, but while we're talking about the Spider-Verse, are we going to talk about Alfred Molina being like, I don't fucking care? Because he just came out and yeah, told us that he's in Spider-Man No Way Home. He's like, I'm 60. I don't care. He's a gangster. We all know it. I loved it. Doesn't give a so shit. Much. I mean, who's going to say it. stop, Alfred? Like well, he, the best thing was he said, "I'm the worst kept secret." Yeah, like it. It is funny to me that I understand Disney's marketing strategy because we have been. I'm using the word deprived facetiously of a Marvel movie. Like typically, there's like f- three Marvel things kind of on the go at once. Like in the span of six months, let's go pre 2019, we were getting trailers for Captain Marvel, Endgame, and Far From Home. I don't know if you guys remember this. I remember it precisely because I thought it was really odd that they start. I I understand it's a different studio, but hey, we just talked about it. They're they're walking down the aisle together. That they were advertising Far From Home before Endgame had even come out. Yeah. So. I'm shocked that we haven't gotten anything from Eternals or Spider-Man No Way Home. I- I've seen that because they're it's waiting. The worst kept secrets that the- Sorry, Sam. It's the worst kept secrets that these guys may be in the movie, but I mean, Tobey Maguire's Spanish translator was like, yeah, I'm working on Spider-Man No Way, no Way Home. And then Alfred Ming's like, yeah, I'm in No Way Home. Like, yeah. it's just funny to... It's... They're... This feels like when, I'm sure, Ryan, you've seen this, where it's like the Lego sets spoil something. Yeah, oh, because yeah. Because they, they kept, they, it was either not kept a good enough secret, or it just took forever for them to start this stuff. It's I, it's Lego stuff, and it's like last week was saying she's action figures. They Yeah. I heard they kind of presented the Ten Rings thing and whatnot, and kind of yeah. spoiled a few things that way. Just give us teasers. We know the movies are coming out. Like, I'm not... They, let, let me be the first to say, I'm so glad everybody was like, fuck yeah, Shang-Chi looks awesome. I don't see a reason we don't get an Eternals trailer in May and a Spider-Man No Way Home in June. Well, as long as Alfred Molina got a call from Kevin Feige and just been like, <laughs> what are you doing, man? And he just brought back the, the best Spider-Man 2 quote of Butterfingers, and that was it. <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> uh, yeah, nobody's surprised to learn he's in the movie. We've no. known we've known these guys are gonna be in the movie. It's leaked. 
Oh, and they've God. tried to do their cover-up thing where Marvel's like, no, none of these people are in it. Tatiana Maslany is not She-Hulk. We, we'll yeah, tell you Tom guys that. Tom Holland, none of these people are in the movie. Yeah, We covered a, that, like, months ago. They're just told to say no once the stuff actually leaks, so in two months they can say it on their own terms. Yeah, and that's if all I, we're getting. If here. I was a media journalist, I would be trying to get a hold of Alfred Molina and just be like, "Okay, what else do you know, <laughs> Tom? Give me, give me a, a headline here." Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they started the Avengers route, which is you get your pages and just your lines. It's like line, person, your line. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh yeah, with all that's going to apparently go on in this movie, I would be yeah. shocked if they didn't just send them their scenes. And that's yeah. all they got. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I thought we should talk about it because I remember reading it and he's like, yeah, of course I'm in it. Like, it just, if, <laughs> if he gets in trouble... He no fucks about NDAs. Yeah, if he gets in trouble, he should just blame it on the arms. Like, yeah, the arms made me say that. Sorry. <laughs> I was on my phone, like on the phone, and then one of the guys knocked it. I was like, what? Yeah. And then I just ran with it. Nobel Prize, Otto. Nobel Prize. That's all we're getting. All right. Moving on from that, seems like we don't care. We're happy wherever these things are showing up. That's fair to say. Well, with that then, let's go to some casting news. We'll stick in the Marvelverse. We'll stick with Disney+. Plus. And a, probably one of the most lackluster announcements of a show that has come out that seemed way too overdone or way too past due of when it can come out. Now they're trying to spice things up a bit. They're throwing a couple actresses that you guys might recognize. One, Olivia Coleman, who was just in The Father that's been nominated. She was also in movie with Emma Stone that I'm gapping on that she was the queen. The favorite. The favorite, thank you. You're welcome. And she's, she's also been in The Crown this past season, I believe. And She's the queen for the last two seasons. Yeah, like the one upcoming, then she's out. If and she, then it's Umbridge. If there's been a queen in the past couple years of shows, she's played it. So (laughs) Olivia Coleman is joining Secret Invasion. As Queen of the Skrulls. As Queen of the Skrulls, probably. (laughs) And with that, they didn't stop there, because the day after, we got some more casting news. A different queen, if you will, on a different show. Because Amelia Clark, Khaleesi herself, Sarah Connor 2.0, Kira from Solo, <laughs> Star Wars story. Yes, that huge mega franchise. <laughs> they are both joining Secret Invasion. Does this make us any more excited for this show? Is this going to make us want to actually see this show? Because it didn't seem like we were all for this. Because it kind of seemed like the scroll storyline was rewritten and passed at this point. Sam? I know you have the least amount of backstory in Secret Invasion and whatnot, so do these these actresses at least pull you into this? Uh, the actresses, absolutely. Like, and especially Olivia Coleman. Like, you know, you know, I don't want to go out on a limb and say, "Oh, this must be amazing because they chose to be in it." Because for all we know, it could be garbage. But Olivia Coleman uh, is a great actress. Um, I'm assuming that. She's won her Oscar. You know, what else is next? Uh, let's get paid. Let's, let's get a dumb trunk. Oscar tr- number two. Yeah, let's get a dumb trunk of money. So good for her. I'm glad she's, you know, going to be in a Marvel property. Who knows from that point on? Maybe she'll be in more of the films. Whatever. Uh, 
I have nothing to say about the storyline. All I know is what, like, you know, maybe some superheroes, maybe some people aren't who they say they are. Interesting. Cool. Whatever. But, like, I guess if they're bringing in some heavy uh, hitting actresses to play, you know, this new race of whatever, and we're going to get some interesting twists here. Sounds good to me. So, uh, Disney Plus is making some moves here. Kyle, how are you feeling about this? I know we were on similar wavelengths when they announced this show, which was why. What we we don't want Armor Wars already. Why do we want Secret Invasion? Oh, all right, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna flip camps. I love Olivia Coleman. I really do. But I had this conversation with somebody today, which was they have not established nowhere near enough scroll lore for this show to make sense because here's the context and i'm gonna use all that sam knows actually wait you haven't seen captain marvel yet have you yeah no i haven't (laughs) okay so little more than sam uh is that when we met the scrolls we thought they were the bad guys spoilers for captain marvel they're not the bad guys They are actually refugees trying to find a new world. All right, great. So all we know up until 2019, they're not bad guys. But they were perceived to be bad guys, but they're not bad guys. Okay, moving forward. Um, Spider-Man Far From Home ends with... You've seen Spider-Man Far From Home, Samuel? I have. Is that they are not... Or they're not bad guys, and they're actually working with Tony Stark, or Tony Stark, he dead, Nick Fury, and they're actually infiltrating and filling in for us so we can go do other things likely, like to go in space and stuff. Okay, great. All of this is good. All right, WandaVision. Hey, Monica, you got powers? Want to go to space? It'd be sick. Great. So all we've seen from these Skrulls who have infiltrated infiltrated isn't even the right fucking word they're just you know what they are they're me they're supply staff who are letting us go do other things which completely cuts the legs out of secret invasion the reason the secret invasion storyline was so compelling and so crazy was they were villains infiltrating every level of the world that wouldn't be a bad thing right now it's like you know what ryan you don't feel like going to work today hey talos and he's like, yeah, I'll be the radio producer today. Because if I can be Nick Fury, this is no offense to you, Ryan, but I can produce for the radio. Like, the scale of of Earth-ending events, slightly different. Like, it it doesn't matter. So are you going to... Like, the here's the retcon, right? I'm telling you right now. Talos is going to be like, actually, we... Uh, we were a sect of the Skrulls who were peaceful, but our main race is evil. Oh, great. I'm glad we've had any fucking indication of that for the retcons of, oh, here's also S.W.O.R.D. Oh, here's the Skrulls. Actually, this is where the Avengers came from. Captain Marvel is the worst fucking retcon I think I've ever seen. And this is just going to be a setup show. There's no way in hell they are just using this show for Secret Invasion. I think this will be... Act 1 and 2, and Act 3 will all be about the results of Secret Invasion in Captain Marvel 2, which will lead to bringing the Miss Marvel show in to the movies, as well as these other characters. I think the casting is cool. Super disappointed that this means Amelia Clark is not replacing Amber Heard as Mera in Aquaman 2. That's the part that disappointed me the most. But no, this show... Until I see an incredible trailer, I'm like, oh, they did it. 
I don't think they deserve to tell this story with how they've treated some of these these like characters so far. I'm still having the tough time placing how exactly this story is going to make sense. It seems like unless this is set in the past around Captain Marvel time and there was some sort of like evil scroll organization that was against what the other ones were doing or they were hiding the whole time from like a past life and they just didn't reveal themselves. Whatever that is, that makes a little more sense. But like going forward, this is starting to not feel like we're going to start replacing a lot of these characters that have died off. Tony Stark wasn't a scroll that died or whatever. Like we're not doing any of that. And if we're not saying the heroes are or were scrolls, why do we care that this story is happening then? Like, who? what are these characters that we know are going to be scrolls that are going to make us care about this being in the story? Like, yeah, it just, the scroll heavy lifting has not been done for this story yet to actually mean anything. That being said, love Olivia Coleman, love Amelia Clark. Those are big wins to be seeing in the MCU. They're 100% going to be wearing scroll makeup. I guarantee. I don't think so. I think it's going to be CG. Or CG, whatever. whatever. They're 100% going to be scrolls. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't. So you guys don't think that they they must know this? They must anticipate this. They like you don't think they're they're aiming to do some kind of game changing, you know, completely shifting the way that these worlds work, like with this show. Or, the game change is a massive retcon. That's the problem I have. Like if they had introduced even the concept of scrolls in Thor Guardians I know it was it came down to a rights thing because the Skrulls technically up until I mean now Marvel owns all of it were a Fantastic Four villain they were introduced in a Fantastic Four comic I think in like 62 something like that okay that's in, that's uh, interesting though because hey could that mean that they're going to plant some seeds for the the F4s that's my I think that's the problem that Ryan and I have is they have planted no seeds there was no tease in Captain Marvel that they stuck around right like and then when we got them in Far From Home it was like why are you back like there's nothing the the the, the I don't Sam I don't think you're wrong like I think so Ryan and I are going like, to agree on this. Like, It is going to be like, uh, dun, 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 but it's going to be at the consequence of a massive retcon. It's just a shame that the original... Pro- and this is the problem a lot of the times we run into. The original content, the written word, has been so strong and so rich that they're just cashing in on that name, but doing something completely different and small and meaningless in the MCU, but so many people are going to clamor just because the name is attached to it. Well, it's like Age of Ultron had nothing to do with that comic book storyline. But it did have James Spader, which was a big win. That was a win. Was it? (laughs) He was pretty dope. Um, I can do without Johnny California. (laughs) All right. Well, with that then, seems like we're happy with the actresses. Still not won over by the show. So we'll have to wait and see, I guess, for that trailer or that first initial look or at least synopsis as to what the show is going to be. Because we don't have any clue what that is at this point in time. But moving on from that, 
we got some more casting sticking in the Disney realm because Lucasfilm is a part of Disney. They were a part of Indiana Jones. And as we mentioned last week, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a part of this now. She's going to be one of the leads. The day after we recorded that, we found out there's another lead that has been cast. This time, Mads Mikkelsen is joining the cast. Now, I'm sure everyone knows Mads Mikkelsen at this point. Hannibal, Casino Royale, whatever other big shit he's been a part of. Fantastic Beasts and the third one of them. Even though we haven't seen that one yet, he's a part of that coming out. (laughs) But Indiana Jones 5, does this A, this Scream typecast bad guy, or at least are we excited that he might be a little bit different this time around? Is he going to be Harrison Ford's son? (laughs) Kyle. Uh, No, I have a pitch for this, uh, or a prediction. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, absolutely. He okay, so I think we're all on the assumption that this has to time jump at least to the '60s. You would hope, right? Yeah, you would hope. So you know what happened in the '50s and the '60s era, the Cold War. I think Mads Mikkelsen is going to be like a Russian friend of Indiana Jones. I believe. That's, I believe at that time frame they were called comrades, not friends. Yeah, yeah, comrades. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm on board. I mean, oh, we left. I mean. Mads Mikkelsen's IMDb page is nothing but incredible drama work and then huge blockbusters, right? Because he was yep. in Rogue One. Like, he's this guy's in everything. And I'm excited for it. I This cast is... If you told me that James Mangle was making a movie that had Harrison Ford, Mads Mikkelsen, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, like, James Mangle, to me, is, like, in the Matt Reeves department where I'm like, I'll see the movie. I don't care what he's making but the fact that these people are on board yes i would assume there's a nice paycheck involved but i think this is starting to put together something pretty special i'm just waiting till randall park gets cast as a older short round and then the circle will be complete that won't be a surprise when that comes down the pipe i'll be so man if i can will john oliver into zazu's (laughs) existence i can will something else and here's the thing Disney tends to play ball with the same actors. Aquafina, Raya the Last Dragon, Aquafina, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, Mads Mikkelsen, Rogue One, Doctor Strange, which we didn't mention either. Yeah, that's that, yeah. He's the bad guy. Indiana Jones. Uh what else did what did I Randall Park, Ant-Man and the Wasp, WandaVision. So it's a th- it's a trio of properties. So Randall Park is short round. There you go. Early predictions that he's popping up. We do know Kathleen Kennedy's executive producing this. We do know uh, Steven Spielberg is going to be a producer and not the director on this one. And Oh, sorry. Um, James Mangold just left due to creative differences. I'm kidding. Haha, <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy joke. Didn't I mean, didn't Kathleen Kennedy produce the all the Indiana Jones movies? Yeah, she did it with her partner Frank Marshall, her partner, right? Her husband Frank Marshall, yeah. yeah. So and I mean, she's she's been around. She knows she knows character, or characters even. She's never <laughs> been a creative lead, which is I think for abundantly clear for everyone that is not her strong suit. She is a money person. And John Williams is back to do the score on this one. Sam Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, 
Very, very interesting. I, I'm kind of hoping he, like, they just let him go off the rails. Let's not do the Russian thing because we we know, like, and, and can obviously visualize what that's going to look like. Well, let's see him, like, if, if they're in the 60s, let, like, make him... Uh, like a James Bond, no, like a crazy hippie or something, like something so left okay. field that you would just never guess it. Because come on, Mads Mikkelsen, he has that look, and I get it. But it would it would be kind of a shame if they only put him there for bad guy work. Because I think if you have Mads Mikkelsen in your corner, like that's a like that Danish bastard is is really good and. At being a bad guy, uh, but, he's in yes. the best Bond movie ever made. I say weaponize this guy and like y- use him for something so outlandish. Weapons grade Mickelson. <laughs> yeah, um, he's been a bad guy one too many times. I would love to see him just do something silly, even. Hey, I said good guy. He's a good comrade. Good comrade. I guess yeah, that could be funny. That's what I want. But uh, what about yeah. if Phoebe Waller-Bridge? is Harrison Ford's daughter in this movie and Mads okay. Mikkelsen is the love interest to her. No, no. What if he's another professor at the school who's like a bumbling idiot and gets brought along the mission? So it's it's more close to what Sam said where he's like, oh, it, Dr. like he's just not in for Always any of the scared. action. Okay. Like that is so anti-Mads Mikkelsen. Okay. He's, I want to see it. He's the comedic humor. He's the Jake Johnson. Yeah, that would story. be interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now we're playing really off the wall on this one. Yeah. Because he could, Mads can do anything. Oh. Have you guys seen that movie I mean, where all he does is drink? <laughs> yes, I have. I, I, I saw the poster. <laughs> it, I think if they, they go that route, he will steal the movie. And, and then he's probably going to get his own franchise from there. He will get an Oscar nom for this movie, regardless of <laughs> he what he will does. win the Nobel That's Prize. That's not even a joke. Like, James Mangold doesn't make things where people aren't like... that. Like, I don't know if you guys remember this. People were saying that... I, that phrase has been so destroyed by U.S. politics, but there was a sentiment around Patrick Stewart getting a nom for Logan, and not as a joke. People, people I remember seeing that reception that, like, Patrick Stewart was really good in this movie. So as much as people be like, oh, Mads Mikkelsen going to get an India, like Indiana Jones nomination, Dark Knight has shown you can win for the like for genre. I mean, James, James Mangold has directed, I think, two uh, actors to a, an Oscar win, right? Angelina mm-hmm. Jolie and, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix, he did walk the line. So, I mean, give him an Oscar for that. Didn't that win? Didn't Tua? Didn't it, that get? Wasn't that? Oh, a and Tua yeah, win? you're right. I think yeah. Reese won too. Yeah. So there you go. I think she yeah. did. Yeah. It's possible. Well, it seems they're assembling a very strong team for this franchise. This possible final movie. You would think it'd be final movie at this point. The amount of years it has taken to actually make this movie and bring it something, but the amount of traction in the last couple weeks of these casting news is probably a good sign this thing's coming quick and yeah Mads Mikkelsen uh, you can't say anything more than what we've said at this point he's amazing I'll watch him do anything and in two in a year July 29th next year they say this thing's coming so can't wait to see what he brings at that point but I'm all in I one thing I want to say before we move on is I really hope this has like a dedication to John Williams because I feel that this is going to be the last Lucasfilm property he he does a score for. 
given that Star Wars episodic, ep, like the Skywars, so, the Skywalker saga is over. This is likely the last Indiana Jones movie. So I feel the man is synonymous with these films. So I I hope there is some form of that, like regard, like because I his impact can't be overstated. That can you think of those movies without the score? Yeah, John Williams has been synonymous with great scores throughout time. Even if this isn't his last one, you do think they're, they they got to do something for him. There should be a statue of him in the sound department of Lucasfilm. I'm surprised if there's not a mural or something. There should be. Anyways, we're getting off topic. We're excited about Indiana Jones 5. That's coming next year. We got that to talk about. How I Met Your Father is coming down the pipeline at Hulu. But... We're not going to get Ted and Marshall and Barney and Lily and Robin. We're going to get the Duff. We're going to get Hillary Duff, How I Met Your Father, at Hulu. Sam? Uh, so, this came out of nowhere, didn't it? Like, <laughs> Yeah. So, it's kind of been in development hell for like right, five years. Because we know that they've already tried How I Met Your Father, right? With... Uh, Greta Gerwig. They shot a pilot. They decide not. Oh, to, I met your dad. Yeah, they they decide not to go with it, and then here we are. They're trying again with Hillary Duff, and you know to add Hillary Duff into it all, we know that she <laughs> was trying to do Lizzie McGuire 2.0. That didn't work out, and now here we are. So like, great. Like I guess you know stars didn't align for those projects. Now we're meeting in the middle. Interesting. I don't know. Like. That, that show has a legacy, you know, has its fans, lots of people love it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, like I'm assuming they're playing with the same format and it's just going to be uh, more of that. So I guess it'll be, I think it'll depend on who are they casting around Hillary Duff then, right? Like they said she's the, the mom and she's telling the story about how she met her you know their kid's father and yeah i think that's just who are the friends going to be because that's going to the cast is really going to to matter um but yeah i i I don't know like i like hillary duff and i liked how i met your mother so i mean this feels good feels right but how many sitcom spinoffs work i don't know i'm not like it worked more in the like 80s right could because you had like there's um the jeffersons was a spinoff of all in the family like it used to work right because you had and then even earlier you had your mork and mindy and Joni loves chachi and it's just one of those things where like it's gonna be non-stop compared to the original right and it's just gonna keep happening i have an idea of what i would like but i don't think that's what they're gonna do do you guys want to hear what i think always i love this show I, I think How I Met Your Mother is better than Friends. I'm just gonna say it. It's okay, a better show than Friends. Let me say one more thing though. Hillary Duff is a hu- oh, like, is a big star, right? And mm-hmm. so say with How I Met Your Mother, the lead character, what's his pants? Um, Josh Radner. Yeah. Ted Mosby. Definitely not the the at least the most famous person in that group. You know. Uh, so and, and you know he be, kind of became that he's synonymous with Ted Mosby, like. You wouldn't think sure. of him as anything else. Hillary Duff comes with baggage of, of her career already, right? So she's going in with that. It's going to be interesting to see how they 
paint the character you know how is she going to you know uh be this new character and 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 who again who are they casting around her it's going to be interesting because she's you know hillary duff so how are you, you know she's going to be the most famous person in the room unless if they cast like brad pitt in this thing too i don't know well they might do the opposite where their main star on how i met your mother was the least well known let's go the opposite way where the star is the most well known which is pretty much the time-honored tradition of every sitcom is one big star surround them with the lesser known people and they'll st- their stock will rise and you get to keep them cheaper longer in a few more that, seasons yeah, that's true i wonder what the the, the hillary duff contract looks like here because i think she's a producer as well isn't she Yep, she is. And I'm I'm excited about the potential for this, given how it's being show run by people who were the co-creator of Love, Victor and writers of This Is Us. So unlike the thing we were talking about that we're not going to talk about on the show, this is not controversial, but the writers of a project that Sam is very much looking forward to, like these people have credits. So I was doing some checking on dates because... I wanted to confirm something. So here's what I thought we might get and we can't get, which is Sophie is the lead, Duff, which is not the name of Barney Stinson's daughter because that timeline doesn't work because she is born, I believe, in 2013. Uh, See, you're already heading down a path that I really hope they don't go for well no but so that was the first like as soon as it got announced that's what i looked at so i was just gonna i'm airing my i'm talking as i thought and then the next thing i thought was well maybe one of her best friends is one of the kids but that also doesn't work because the however your mother technically the story ends in 2030 so how about your mother i think did a great job of talking uh, of managing continuity while also kind of managing the occasional retcon here and there. So what makes this a it's kept it was everywhere it was a spin-off or sequel series. What are the connections going to be given like the how I met your mother cast in 2030? All those characters chronologically would be in their 40s, mid 40s, because this says it takes place in 2021. So they're doing the same thing that How I Met Your Mother did, which was it was at a different time that the story was being told, but it was happening in our present, right? So the story she's telling is happening in 2021. So I, I don't understand how this is going to connect at all. Besides the fact that it has the how I met your parent in it, right? Right? It's being labeled a sequel spinoff. Are they just like, maybe it'll be just she goes to McLaren's. That might sure, be yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, Sam. I feel bad for Hillary Duff because it was rumored that Lizzie McGuire got canceled because it was too mature. But then... Spoilers, there was a de- potential decapitation in an episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So. Violence Disney. is, o- yeah, violence is okay, but anything, you know, talking about. Yeah, I, I, you know. I don't understand it at all. Yeah. But so I think the people involved in this, I'm, op- I'm optimistic, but it really, you're right. It's going to 
go to come down to who is the gr- is the group because I said it earlier like Friends, How I Met Your Mother, these show all these sitcoms that we love. If you love The Office, Perk, uh, I almost said Perks or no Parks, Parks and Recreation, they rely on that cast. And if the cast doesn't work, the shows don't work. So I'm more curious on who's going to be in this with her. Because at the time, like um, we were talking about it, Allison, Allison Hannigan maybe was the most famous. Because Jason Siegel hadn't really broken through into mainstream yet. Yeah, he was he was like in the comedies already. So like people knew his face. And Neil Patrick Harris had a resurgence of life because of that show. Right, because he was in... He was crazy NPH in like um, White Castle, which was like oh one. Yeah, I think it was like right yeah, before the show. There, yeah. yeah, right. Because How Many Mother premiered in oh five. So it yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. I mean, they've been trying to get the show made forever. It's kind of hilarious and happenstance. We never got it with Greta Gerwig looking like where she exploded to afterwards. The sliding doors thing. Like, what if that had happened? Yeah. I don't know. We probably yeah. wouldn't have got some of the movies we got from her. We probably wouldn't have Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean... <laughs> uh, maybe. it's Who knows, right? It's... Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, so, I don't know. I love Hilary Duff. I loved the Hilary Duff, Lizzie McGuire show. So, I'm happy when she's working. I'm happy... Like, I was sad to hear that this whole resurgence of Lizzie McGuire fell through. I don't know why she's attached to some sort of property that already exists and we can't just let her get back into acting in a movie or anything like that but I'll take my Hillary Duff where it goes I watched How I Met Your Mother the entire run of it as it was happening I tuned in for that finale as it aired on cable like I was all on board for that ride I don't care about this at all (laughs) I don't care it has not won me over this idea I'm like that's the idea we're going with. We're just going to try and flip the roles at this. Like how I met your mother was great. When you watched it, it didn't age too well. There's a lot of stuff on that show that probably don't play quite well to this audience nowadays. So it's obviously got to be drastically different than that. And I'm worried. Episode one, there's some woo girls in the bar. Episode two, Oh, this guy's talking about suits over. Like, I'm worried we're going to start fucking shoving references of How I Met Your Mother down your throat. Anything they can to make it be like, remember this show, guys? Go back and watch this one, too. There's seven seasons back here and nine, nine seasons back here. And, you know, there's nine to come if you want them. Like, it has me worried that we are not having new property breathed into this that we're going to go anywhere important with a show. And I'm worried this is going to be a girl meets world scenario where it's just kind of, they didn't, they didn't separate far enough. Then it made it worthwhile. I think the difference though is network, right? Like girl meets world was made for the Disney channel. And I, I don't know how the rating stuff works in Hulu. The only thing giving me hope remotely is that Carter and Craig aren't writing it they are producing so they're getting that executive back back not back door it's it's just money and that the people writing it have written some really compelling stuff i like i said i would be surprised if it's reference city 
because that doesn't work, right? Like, I totally agree, Ryan. If that's what it is, this show gets, this show runs its 10 episode order and it's gone, right? This needs to cultivate, I think what it, if it's successful, it'll cultivate entirely new fans who didn't even watch How I Met Your Mother. I think it's just the title of this right now is setting off warning flags for me that that's what sure. we're getting. So that's what that's that's my only cause for alarm right now. But I think it's a big one if that's the way they go. But again, I love Hillary Duff. She gets a chance at anything she's going to put out. That might be the key, right? Because I think most of us who had watched the original show will at least check out the first episode, first couple episodes, just to see what's going on here. And the pressure's on them to really just like stick their hooks in because I agree there's probably going to be a lot of skepticism. Is this thing even going to be good? What are they doing here? Because I agree. I think this show should absolutely stand on its own. Don't even bother trying to, you know, make the same jokes as the the past show. I'm actually also curious, will it be in the same format in the same vein like multi-camera are, are they gonna do you know single camera type of thing like will it be more like a new girl as opposed to you know the original show um i feel like i don't know there's there's room to play around because the, the thing will probably live or die based on new fans in my opinion yeah. i think the format has to be multi-cam because there were so many cuts you can't do in front of a live audience i think that we're going to i i i had thought just because again these people hopefully are writers is one of the catchphrases and this is gonna be like swipe left because <laughs> that's how dating works now i don't know <laughs> we're all in serious relationships so i don't know maybe yeah there's swiping involved i guess yeah there's a new bar in town that this thing's got to get by and it's not that hard to get by this bar the powerpuff girls are coming <laughs> they're gonna be the new low bar in town all you gotta uh, do is beat the powerpuff yeah. girls that's all i, I want know. i think armor wars might be the low bar <laughs> oh come on don Cheadle. Oh, the don man. i hope we can all be together when that premieres I'm I'm curious. We don't know yet when it's going to premiere, so <laughs> we don't know any of these premiere dates yeah. technically. But well, Armor Wars, Powerpuff Girls, How I Met Your Father, coming down the pipe. Do we care? <laughs> I do. About Armor Wars, okay, it's on record. No, I guess no, we'll okay, go from there. No, 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 you said it. You said it. Okay, but did did we mention that How I Met Your Father is a Hulu show? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, so like what? About that with. Yeah. What are we going to do? Like, are we going to get it here in Canada or are they going to make a deal with Disney Plus or what? I think it'll be on Star for us because talking to friends in the States, they don't have the same content on Star. Interesting. As us. Because they because they have Hulu, certain things have been um, split up into different things. So I would be shocked if this is not like this Disney Star uh, original. Interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. So it does take place in New York. And also, okay, so this is one thing. I we, I, mean, I know we've been so long on news today, but there's been so much to cover. Do we think it's going to be someone else's voice doing the narrations? Because I do yeah. actually want it to be the same framework. Yeah. I was thinking like... I actually Bob Saget still. Never mind. 
No. <laughs> uh, Callista Flockhart. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's, sure. Let's go with some older names here. Some random ones. Who else can we what do? What if it's Jennifer Aniston? Oh, they. See, I mean, I. That's. Why I, not? I feel like they're close in age, though. Are they not? No. It's got to be like a seven to ten year difference. Well, how about, I will look this up. How about Kristen okay, Bell? Hillary She's already Duff did Gossip is, Girl. She could is do thirty three. Yeah, I, I somehow Aniston. I somehow knew Hillary Duff was thirty three. She's in her forties. <laughs> Jennifer 40s. Aniston is fifty two. No, she's not. I just she was born in nineteen sixty nine. All right, I guess the tracks then. She would. I I could have. You could have. I will money you know on this. I would have bet you she was in her forties. You right, would have won some Radner, serious money off me. Josh Radner is 46. Bob Saget, how old are you? Bob Saget is... 90. 64. So it's like the same age. There's a close... There, so 18 years and 19. Well, that would yeah. be a get. For sure. It's voice... Yeah. It's VO. Yeah. I would not... That's the thing. Like, do you guys remember... Easy money, I guess. I, I got a How I Mother really early. And somebody was like, yeah, Bob Saget's the narrator. I was like, really? Yeah. The Full House guy? America's Funniest Home yeah, Videos? It, it got <laughs> it got more exciting the more he kept coming back. It's like, holy yeah. shit, it's Bob Saget. It's Bob Saget. Yeah, they yeah, only I need would... her like two or three episodes a season just to pop up here and there. Well, it, it's more in the in the first season, I think it's like every episode. Yeah, and then yeah, right? it like shortens. It's definitely used less and less and less. But no, I think it's going to be a get like that. It's that's so going big like that. That's an idea. That's a good idea. You definitely got to shoot shoot big with that one though. And 18, 19 years, not the seven that I thought it was. Yes. So you thought you thought. Wait a minute. I just love this math. Hillary Duff, you knew was thirty three. I did know she was thirty three. Jennifer Aniston was forty. I thought she was forty two. Like Friends is seventeen years old. I mean, she looks forty two. Is it really? It, yeah, yeah. It, it went off the air in 04. I still remember that show airing that it seems like it was like three she years was ago. Like 11 when she started Friends. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, oh. with that, we may in Canada get it on nice, shiny new star and Disney Plus. If you're in the States, Ugly Stepchild Hulu is where you're getting. How <laughs> I met your father. All right. With that, though, Disney Plus was gracious enough to give us our movie this week that we are talking about. Heavy Oscar contender, Nomadland, which we will talk about. And just a brief note before we get there, we will not do news next week because of how long this news segment was this week. We're going to put a pin in it next week. And we'll bring you two weeks down the line some big news and we'll tell you why at the end of this episode. Let's join in on Nomadland. To quote the most important man, Matt Foley, in the world, if you maintain this course of action, you'll be living in a van down by the river. And that's exactly what this movie is entirely about, living in a van down by a river, because that's what Nomadland is. Uh, starring Francis McDormand and directed, written, edited by Chloe Zhao, who's picking up a lot of steam. She's she did the writer, right? That's I right. It was her first, and then she's 
all over the place with awards in award season for this movie. So Nomad Lands carrying a lot of steam this year. Now we've we can always put the asterisks on that it's the quarantine year and half the movies didn't come out and whatnot, but I think this one would still be in talks, even if we had a normal year for an Oscar contender. At least to make the argument before we start and jump into this one. That's not a personal personal, I guess, bias on that one. I think that genuinely could probably be seen. But with that, Nomadland. Sam, what exactly is it about? A woman in her 60s who, after losing everything in the Great Recession, embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. Right there. Oh boy, hooked me a big one, because I'm fishing with Oscar bait. Let's <laughs> yeah. reel it in. It's, in the, it's right there for you. So with that... We're not going to spoil anything with Nomadland. We're just going to give our initial thoughts and our brief reviews on that with no spoilers attached. Then we'll let you guys know if you got to get out. If you're real interested in seeing this one, this is on that Oscar watch list and you're heavy on getting through all the titles this year. We will let you know before we get to that point. But before we get there, Sam, Nomadland, what you think? So we're watching this a little late i would say compared to a lot of the film watching community and clearly like you said the movie's you know has a lot behind it in terms of oscar predictions and chances and it's most likely going to win best picture um so went into it with like the expectation that this movie's going to just you know blow my socks off and just right off the bat like it didn't um, but that's not to say that I didn't like the movie because I did, and it, it was uh, it was a very quiet, um, s- kind of sad, poetic type of film, and um, I dug it. Like I, I can get down with those kind of vibes. Um, it has a very interesting style where. Um, and it's not, I don't think it's really spoilery to say, but like, um, it's dealing with the, the nomad life community and in the movie there's non-actors and I think you can tell when you're watching it. Um, and I think those aspects of the film really shine, um, and bringing up the, the topics of economic disparity and, um, choosing to live this life where you're closer to to nature and you're you're just riding the rails and seeing where life takes you um, a lot of interesting ideas and and like themes here uh i will say and i think we'll i'll have to get more into it when we get into the spoiler section but um a part of me enjoys the character study aspect of the movie because i think this movie is very much that um, but the ideas it brings into it in regards to economic disparity into, you know, she works at a sp- very specific company in this, in this movie to make money. Um, there's things about that, uh, that I don't think the movie gets deep enough into where it seems like it should head in that direction and it, it kind of avoids it somehow. It, it, I know I'm being very vague at the moment, but um, 
I feel like it had its hands in two different pots, baskets, something. And, you know, we didn't get um, fully realized ideas with either, if that makes any sense. So, you know, just to reiterate, I did really like the movie. Um, I just wish that it had knocked it out of the park or just had a clearer um, message behind it, I guess. So that's where I stand. All right. Well, with that, Kyle, where are you standing? I thought that it was a very well-made movie that is chill as fuck and is all about the characters and the experience that this one in particular goes through and almost the cycle of nomadlessness. <laughs> it's not a word. No, I, I sat next to my wife and we watched it and I kept expecting something bad to happen. But about halfway through realized that's not what the movie was about and I kind of felt like I was just... This is going to be such a horrible, horrible euphemism. But, I mean, we're in Canada, so the restrictions on certain things are different. This felt like the idea of just smoking a joint, sitting in a camping chair, and talking to your friends till the sun comes up. I mean, that sounds awesome. (laughs) I would love to do that right now. Yeah. (laughs) But that's... Am I wrong? Like, that's kind of what the movie is, right? It's just... Life is this... Yeah, this is how I'm living it. It's life around the campfire with a bunch yeah. of friends. And it it I think it's a very well put together movie. I can't I would understand if somebody watched this and went, This is really boring. I, I would understand that. I don't agree, but I think Francis McDormand is great in this and that Chloe Zhao does a lot of great things. This made me I I know it's not related at all. But this made me so much more intrigued into what we're going to get in Eternals. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Is this a wild ride? or No, this is a quiet experience. And you take everything in at kind of at your, at your choice into kind of what's going on. And seeing the cycle start to develop with the character and her relationships with the other people and almost this character's what she feels she's been slotted to do in life was kind of heartbreaking so overall i can't really get into it but i have said more than i thought i would be able to say without getting into anything particular but no it's it's really well made and it's kind of it's a after fucking thunder force this is the greatest palate cleanser of all time and to just top off the point of Eternals MCU, why the hell are we talking about that? Chloe Zhao is yes, the director and that is her next movie. Just in case you were not aware of that and that got real confusing as to why we brought it up. The movie, it's going to be a little bit divisive and you guys both touched on it as to why. On one side of the argument, people are going to say this was top tier filmmaking This was beautiful, it was poetic, it was everything you want to see in an Oscar movie. And on the other side, as Kyle mentioned, people are going to think it was boring, it is slow-paced, there's not a whole hell of a lot of a story going on, it's a a totally a slice-of-life 
kind of character driven piece that we can I don't know if it's spoilers or not but there's not a whole lot of stakes going on or anything like it literally is just this lady living her life as a nomad and just trying to get by and you're just along for the ride you're seeing what it's like going through that process you're seeing the struggles the benefits everything along the way and you're either in or you're out and watching it a lot of people will be in a lot of people will be out so i can totally see if this movie is divisive that is the line that's going to be drawn and that's the side people are going to take on this and it makes sense because i feel like i tiptoed that line too from time to time with this one not to say that it's bad or anything like it's a great movie and if you're judging it by like based on how well the filmmaking was that was top tier and it's more just are you in the mood for this story or are you not in the mood for this type of story and i think depending upon where you are that time of day and what you're doing it's probably going to affect your mood watching this one and how it's going to kind of settle in so yes it feels slow but there are a lot of interesting aspects that make you kind of place yourself in that role question do you ever want to try that could you pull it off and i think tying in your own self-analysis to the trends that are going on within this movie are probably what the intent was the whole time now Frances mcdormand she was great we know she's great she's won an oscar and she's nominated again for this one. She's won two. And she's nominated again for this one. Now, this was the first movie that I was like, I don't know if Frances McDormand is acting in this one, or they were just following her around, because this kind of seems right up her alley. I would not be surprised to know that she spent years doing this herself. And well, she... Fa- want- Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I mean, we all kind of know how this rolls out. Like, if the SAG winner wins, they win the Oscar. So... She didn't win the SAG for this year. Which, she's won a few Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay if yeah. she doesn't win yeah. another one. If she one. wins a third, <laughs> I think she's in a very elite crew. Yeah, it's uh, true. She's probably going to be... It's going to be either the Helen Mirren... No, not Helen Mirren. <laughs> Meryl Streep. Um, Meryl Streep, thank you. And Frances McDormand War, where one person's nominated the next year the other one's nominated and there's the joke that either of them are going to win it this year and glenn close is just i feel like we're what about me <laughs> what about me ma um <laughs> uh I, I, so there she she is there there is a group of one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen women with two wins mm-hmm. oh interesting and the only there's one person with four and it's Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Meryl only has two wins. Yet she's the butt of the joke most of the time. So mm-hmm. seventeen she's nominations. Been, yeah. That's <laughs> why. a lot. There it is. Frances McDormand has, including this, this is her third, no fourth nom. Right. So she's so she's, she's pretty accurate. She's got a good batting yeah. average. Yeah. yeah, that's real good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just back to finish this off. Chloe Zhao. A great filmmaker. I think we can all agree on that. I think, yes, with Eternals, as we mentioned, and whatever she decides comes after that, too. Like, I'm curious how she is going to handle that big studio budget and that big Marvel machine and how she's going to fit into that role. But it's very clear. Like, she edited this. She wrote this. She directed this. 
that's a lot of caps to wear and to get nominated both for directing this was nominated for best picture the like that's a huge amount of accolades on that board alone for something that she did all by herself and this is very early in her career so she is definitely a director to watch going forward but it's a very good oscar bait movie it's definitely worth the watch this year i would say if you're in that camp you're all on board for watching this race play out and you're very curious as to like what movies are doing what yes this i guess on par with any of the movies that we've seen so far that you would consider an oscar worthy movie this is right up there with them so far and i yeah no go ahead i was gonna say and with that i think we all agree we did like it and we've all given the same kind of disclaimers of it might be a bit boring it might not be for you but which pretty much describes 75 percent of what gets nominated at the academy awards and i guess movies in general you could say movies in general with we all remember the artist yes with the cliche of art is subjective this is fits with that perfectly just as much as anything else so it might be for you it might not be for you i could see people saying this is their favorite movie and people saying they'll never watch this movie again (laughs) so with that though we will take it to spoiler territory next because we will dip into a few of the things that transpired a few things we liked maybe didn't like what worked for us what didn't so if you got to take a pause to go watch nomadland or if you have plans to watch it and you still haven't gotten around to it here comes the break for you to get out because as soon as this nice little music cue plays the spoilers are coming One more for the road. Spoilers are incoming. So if you guys gotta get out, Nomadland spoilers are coming. You've been warned. You, you got no excuse now. It's you, You're the problem. Don't you point at me, man. It's you. You're the problem. Nomadland. Kyle. Is, what's the plot to Nomadland? <laughs> Fuck. Uh, okay, so there was this place called Empire... In, that was a mining community which hit home. I, uh, I went to school in Sudbury and it uh, the mine dried up and they de-asso- they essentially erased a postal code from existence which I didn't know was possible. <laughs> it's it's kind of cool how it's set up now yeah there's the big mining area like the huge factory and everything and then there's just kind of like a street that everyone lives on and that yeah. their life is just with each other and they're all the part of this it's very like tiny fake, town. It's like a Truman town. It is. Like, almost, that's yeah. what it looks like when we do see it. All right. So we're given the scroll and the lean. I looked, was like, that's possible. Like, I, like I said, that's, you can do that. So it essentially means these, cause this is the only thing to work in Nevada. It's four hours to Las Vegas. So nobody's making that commute. So everyone had to move and, um, what's Francis's name Fern. in the movie? Fern. Fern, thank you. Um, her her family is dead, and so <laughs> she just—I mean, I'm throwing it out there. Family's I dead. I think they hint at it. It's just her husband, right? Yeah, we're the kids. Did she I don't have kids? She had kids. She I don't think they did. No, yeah. she didn't have kids. So he's he's dead. Uh, his name was between um, Mr. Fern. 
Mr. Fern. Mr. Gully. Um. <laughs> His name was Between Two and She's Fern. Um, <laughs> so she has, cussed, she has built the inside of this FedEx. It looks like a generic, hey, kid, you want some candy van? Um, <laughs> that's what it looks like. It's it just does, a big white van. It looks comfortable it in those vans. If I had known, I would have taken the candy. She, she has custom designed this, and she almost, it, we, are, we see... It starts off with her at this storage facility, which is clearly holding all of her her things from the house that she lived in and all of her family and whatnot. And she's picking up some plates. And then I'm going to do this really quickly because it's getting into the plot is really hard. And, and so she, as, then, as we mentioned earlier, there's no real story. No, no it's real just story. slice of life. She is, um, so she picks up some plates and then we get to see her cycle of nomadness. Which is, she kind of starts at the north coast, works her way through the south coast. Now let's get into that brand, boys and girls, of Amazon. And I, Sam was talking about it earlier, so Sam, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna open the door and have you charge on through. Because fuck, that is bullshit in how they worked at Amazon. Yeah, interesting, Kate. She's the slowest packing, packing person ever. <laughs> She's not peeing in a jar. Hey, man. She's moving all slow. She gets a lunch break. She's probably the one who packed up your uh, Justice League merch and sent it off to you. <laughs> um, no, that's, yeah, that's ink to the people. Company. It's DHL. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> a very interesting, you know, addition to the story. And I mean, so right off the bat, this this movie was based off a book, apparently. And this is all in the books, you know. And... Putting Amazon into the movie, it, I, th I feel like it really kind of stirs up a different conversation, in my opinion, you know, as to just like the state of the world and like just ca capitalism. Especially now. Yes, right now. It, it's right Just now. the fact that the, you know, one of the, you know, richest companies in the world, you know, hires essentially homeless people to work for them and do like the grunt work you know and doesn't provide them with health insurance or anything like that like you know they're just working for the scraps so she she takes this job it, it seems like a seasonal job and it's definitely yeah. seasonal and yeah she's going through different places working seasonal gigs throughout yeah the year, it looks which like. is interesting and like obviously a, i guess a part of the nomad life you take the the, the gigs where you can and to, to make the money so that you can get to the next place um but just like the fact that it's amazon you know there's just something there like just the the contrast between what how she lives and then working for this crazy rich uh, company Lex Luthor essentially yeah and I, I want to bring up on, like, on this point I, I saw a really funny letterboxed uh, review it was very quick you know so it's I enjoy the 2020 Chloe Zhao film Nomadland or how Jeff Bezos calls it 12 years a slave Oh. <laughs> Damn. And that, that, that just, I mean, that joke kind of, not wrong, yeah, like it kind of, I don't know. It, and obviously it works to the point of the film, but where my point is, is that I feel like the movie doesn't go, you know, deep enough into 
that kind of side of the story like it, it kind of you know it introduces it she works there and then she's on to the next thing the story kind of moves on you know it, it's just it's really an interesting concept and i feel like there could have been more told there ryan just to uh, jump in before we move to the next uh point nomadland surviving america in the 21st century by jessica bruder is the book it's based on available on amazon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> audiobook kindle edition and they own audible too don't they yeah they do yes yeah um well what was interesting to me was i was talking to nalene about this like all of those seasonal jobs she would have had to have set up so far in advance and and so like it it seemed like the only job she had like was the amazon one where they like everyone like she had already worked there a few times the all the other gigs it seemed like it was hooked up for her from a friend like oh i can get you in and on this place like she really had no plan um and there so was go ahead there's just lots of talk about like amazon's gonna hire me back in the future and like it was always kind of like it's the a good big paying one. job yeah yes is it i don't know i, I don't know um, the exact wages but i mean i can't imagine they're paying you know that much more than minimum wage yeah um so we then we get to see fern she meets she's there with her friend linda and they are going to like, they're working their way through the states they get to arizona where there's this dude named bob and bob lives the life he's a real youtuber he's a van dweller by the road or sorry down by the river uh and uh, i should have done it like this you'll have plenty of time <laughs> to be smoking a doobie <laughs> when you're living in a van down by the river <laughs> oh R.I.P. Chris Farley. And so we get to see almost this community that she is a part of. And I would say that this is probably the slowest part of the movie. Because it's kind of meandery and you get to see what, like, I think the point is you're seeing her cycle. Like where she goes, yeah. she's at, she's working at the campground, she's working at the golf course and all that, or not golf course, all these different places. And then she meets Dave and Dave's the fuck from Bornum Ultimatum. Yeah. That's all <laughs> David, I David uh, Straytharn? Straytharn? Straytharn, yeah. yeah. Great actor. Yeah. Academy-nominated actor. Like, and he's really looking like he's been living that nomad life in this in this movie. Yeah. He's, yeah. Um, he's embraced it. I mean, I, I'll, I'd say that, at least for me, I enjoyed watching the you know the community aspect of the movie like I, I i thought that was the most entertaining like even just getting a glimpse as to like how they do things they, they kind of like sprinkle in like the, you know this is how to how to nomad basically yeah like you know get it yeah. and they don't go too deep on that and i kind of wish they did like and it almost makes me feel like maybe some of this stuff would have been great in a documentary as opposed to this kind of like faux fictional documentary-esque thing they're doing with this movie. There has been criticism that this doesn't dive into, like, this is the Sparknotes version of No Madness. Yeah. Because Nalina was saying, and this was something I did not think of, if she's working a job at Amazon, and all she's really paying is for, like, seasonal camping, if she's not using plumbing or, like, like, she should have money. Oh, she's definitely not using plumbing. Let's be real here. They're, they're, no, I those mean, buckets no, are general, getting busy. Like, no, but at the, at the campsite, like, yeah. you're, how much you pay per, per site, 
goes up depending on the oh, yeah, amenities sure. you're using. So she's like, where is her money? But all so I would say the movie kind of takes a new turn when she meets Dave because then she follows Dave to this burger joint. Like um, Moose Winooski's. That is such a Canadian reference. Yeah, that's over <laughs> people's heads. Like an um, Applebee's. Like an Applebee's, yeah. Uh, uh, for our Barry listeners, there you go. Um, and so that is where she goes and kind of develops this relationship with him. Um, non-sexual or whatever. Like, they're just platonic. They enjoy each other's company. And then it turns out Dave... Dave's son is going to be a dad. So she convinces him that maybe this is your chance at starting over because they don't have a great relationship. So he, he, she goes, she, he asks her to go with him and she doesn't, she continues kind of her cycle and spends a lot of time with one of these other people who's going to die. That's kind of why she's doing it. And eventually she decides to, I'm skipping a lot, but it's kind of more, and then she goes to see Dave, and it's everyone is so heartwarming to her, and they want her to be a part of everything. And it's and, a, it's a big mansion house and everything, and it's got room for everyone. Yeah. And yeah, it's completely different than the life she's been living the whole movie. Yes, and she can tell that Dave has decided he's done, no mad, no mad man living, because his van is got a loose tire or a hole in the tire it hasn't been moved it's she said you've you've accepted you're doing this and he wants her to stay and they want her to be there but ultimately fern can't do it because she as she feels committed to this life and maybe partially due to the fact that her husband is no longer um alive and she falls victim to her cycle and that's kind of where the movie ends Wild Stallion's got to run, baby. I mean, like they even when she visits like her her sister, and her even her sister offers her the chance, like, "Hey, you can just stay here." And and anyway, she chooses to to keep going, and it seems like she at every point, like she chooses the nomad life, and you know they hint that ever since she was young, she's always wanted to be on the road or just like go on adventures just get out there um so i guess it's in her dna to basically live this nomad life and through the grief of losing her husband she is just like free to do that um so it's i mean it's interesting like there there it i also heard some criticisms that um you know in terms of the race thing with her being white it grants her the the freedom to kind of live this life because i mean if you think about the movie there wasn't you know 98 percent of the people were white it would be i don't think there are minorities in the movie outside of linda who i believe is indigenous there was one yeah like you know the point being that if this was if there was a minority someone of color this would probably be a a different movie because i don't think it's just a you know there would be other issues on the table here so and just to piggyback off that and some points you guys have been saying already there's not a whole lot of stakes against her in this movie they make one scene where her tire is flat and she needs a ride to get it towed and then there's two if you include the engine thing sure yeah 
Oh yes, right? yeah, the car yeah, yeah. Repairment. But like, she's never like it's like a movie fix where it's like next scene, it's fixed, we're good to go, back to the road. Like, there's no real threat, yeah, or any like big thing happens that she can't just immediately there's solve. No, yeah, there's nothing well, pushing I was back on Linda her. To get like bit by a snake when they're in the pit, like, yeah. where's Linda? Yeah, like anything bad to happen. Yeah. And that, that, I think that's a good point. Like, there, there's nothing, yeah, pushing back against her choice to live this life. Like, there, you know, the consequence is that she just lives sometimes uncomfortably in a van. There isn't really much else, you know. And it does. I feel like that's where the boring aspect comes because it's the same thing over and over. Just new location, new work environment. Most of the people are the same. They're all traveling the same routes, and they're crossing paths multiple times a year. Sometimes it's lonely, sometimes it's not. It's pretty much the same thing happening over and over, though. And especially when that's clearly her choice, as well as to not change it. Yeah. And, you know, you know just to say something, you know, positive real quick. Uh, the aspect of, like, her coming into contact with some of the same people meeting new people wherever she is wherever she's going i i did enjoy that that the fact that like you know it hammers home the point where like people are going to come in and out of your life we're all passing through and sometimes those relationships come to an end and you have to like they say in the movie like you know you don't say a final goodbye you just say see you down the road whenever that may be and like that's a a nice like sentiment um, but again, like there's just so many other things kind of weighing down, at least in terms of the character's motivations that the movie, like you said, isn't based on any like firm stakes. Like there isn't anything challenging her. I did love that aspect though, too, of the characters. Like she comes in contact and they were real people like. Chloe Zhao has said she's used real life people, not actors, in a lot of the roles. Everyone kind of felt like they had like the scout trooper tips for her, and there was like those little things that she can get by day to day and little things to help out and different nuances that they go through each day. And it really added to the how real the actual experience felt, which was nice. And I think that's where it succeeds a lot. On top of that, just the visuals of living out in nature, I think it was beautifully shot that way as well to highlight a lot of why it is so appealing to live this lifestyle. That like That's where I, I kind of wish that maybe it was a documentary. We, we still got to meet these people and it was still shot beautifully. You know what I mean? Like, what does the character of Fern really add to this nomad story? I think that's like, I think where my main quibble comes with the movie. Was it... Is Ned's survival guide a Canadian thing? <laughs> Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide? Yeah. No, that was a uh, Nickelodeon show. Okay, so Ned's Declassified thing. What if we went that way with this movie <laughs> and she was like, this is how you survive this and then yeah. go on about that. Like, introduce us really into the shit that way. That, the shit that's and in the bucket. Just very s- in the bucket. <laughs> Which they had to include that scene too, <laughs> which I was like, "Really? Did this need to?" If you need, need to yeah, cut? if you need more, we got the you know the sixty-four ouncer. <laughs> oh man, 
but yeah, I think I think we're all in the same wavelength. Like it, it's a very interesting look into this lifestyle. There's a lot of beautifully shot things. There's a lot of cool people in it, but there's not a whole hell of a lot actually going on besides learning about this lifestyle. And does that add to it? Does that take away from it? It's more, are you interested in what this lifestyle is yourself because you will never live it? Or it's always fascinated you? I think that's where a lot of the draw to this movie is, is people who are never going to live this lifestyle are going to be even more appealed to this just because it's a look into a life you may never have to experience. So, with that, though, I think we're kind of wrapping up. We don't have too much more else to say. So, we'll take it to the Rickman scale on this one. Now, as it's highly touted, and we've said a few times, it's a heavy Oscar contender. And we're coming off the lowest rated Rickman movie ever in Thunder Force last week. So, let's see where Nomadland lands on the patented Alan Rickman scale. We will all give our numbers, 0, low, 10, high. You can do point fives, give you the average at the end, and let you know how many Golden Rickmans Nomadland will have, starting with Sam. Uh, Nomadland is a great movie um, if you're in the mood for it, basically. Uh, and you know, I watched it, and I was in the mood, um, despite the quibbles I had with it. Um, if it wins awards this season, I think that's cool. Um, so I'm going to give it a 7.5. Hold seven and a half going to Nomadland from Sam. Kyle, what do you think? I agree with everything my fellow co-host has just said about it. This movie is so well made that it's shocking it's watchable. Because like I said, this could be so boring but I think what Chloe Zhao did was so impressive given this is not to be demeaning to anyone living this lifestyle, but this could have been so mundane and uninspired to look at. But there's not a wasted frame of this, which is why I'm not surprised she won the DGA award. So with that, I'm giving it the above average score of eight Rickmans. All right. There are wallpaper shots of this, like, constantly. Yeah. 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 The visuals, yeah, outstanding. And you, everyone can see it in, like, the main one that's being shown for this of her standing in front of that cliff with the water and the rocks behind it. Oh, I did forget to mention my favorite scene of the movie, which just shows kind of the care with this. Because there's not a lot of dialogue. It's all. It's almost like a plateau, or a, a tableau, not a plateau. <laughs> a tableau in the way that the story is told. I think the whole movie can be wrapped up in when Fern is supposed to be sleeping in the mansion, but then goes back to her bed in the van. Yeah. Just wants to go outside and be outside, not indoors and trapped. Well, and it's maybe that bed too, right? Is she's, it's too comfortable. It's too soft, right? I kept thinking maybe it was like what Falcon and Cap say to each other. Where it's like your bed, it's too soft. It's like falling through a cloud. You're used to sleeping on, like, rocks. Like, I mean, you can probably fit a decent mattress in there, but, like, it's taking abuse. So. Yeah. Absolutely. And, I yeah. Did, I did. 
Uh, just I'm to, sorry, I just... <laughs> just to piggyback off what you guys have been saying. You go, you go. No, you go. Yeah, as I've said before, I do a mini scale of story, production, entertainment. Production, this one's getting top tier. I think Chloe Zhao, who is responsible for pretty much all of this production, she's receiving high marks for that. The story, interesting, an interesting glimpse, but we've mentioned there's a little bit of flaw with it and the aspect of how is it going to get more or less exciting when it's all kind of a... It's more of a median than an actual peak and valley. So it loses a bit there. Entertainment along the same thing. Great characters, but can slip into the boredom a little bit. So out of 10, giving it a 7. And with that, our average will be 7.5 out of 10 for Nomadland. So not the worst movie. Definitely higher up. Not any sort of thunder force i think we can say it's like six thunder forces that's it's a lot of thunder forces that's for sure I, it is up there on one of our more higher ranked ones it, i know this was mentioned earlier but i really am excited to see what she does with the budget of a marvel movie like what on earth is eternals going to look like i mean if it looks if it's shot in, you know, and i think it's the same dp from from nomadland doing eternals so you know, at least we know visually Eternals is going to be stunning. That's that's true. And it is supposed to kind of... How do you differentiate between Asgard when we've dealt with gods before? Mm. They're not gods. And the, Yeah, they're not gods here. But you would think they're like set in a similar sort of feel-like environment. And obviously... Well, I we, know we're getting... We're getting a lot of different cultures, right? Like, we're getting Kumal Nanjiani. We're getting all this other representation in the film. Like, he's going to be in... I think they're straight up saying he's in India or Pakistan. Okay. At, like, at some point in the film. And Joshua James Richards did the cinematography for Nomadland, but it's going to be Ben Davis doing cinematography ah, for Eternals. Interesting. It's not the same, but she clearly has a vision. She's very stylized in the way she does it, and I hope she actually incorporates a lot more, I guess, natural mm -hmm. stuff rather than all the CGI fest. That'll be very interesting to see. So, But yes, I think we can all agree Chloe Zhao has a pretty bright future ahead of her. Yeah, absolutely. And... She definitely crushed it with Nomadland. We definitely liked it and would recommend it, especially if you're in the Oscar mood. It'll scratch that itch for you. And we'll see next month where it stacks up. Does it win some awards? Will she win Best Director? I think she's I think she's well on her way. I think she is. Which would set a record, I believe. She, or, or, or um, I forget what it the thing is but like if she wins it's first asian yeah. woman to be nominated for yeah. best director yeah it's it's very interesting to see what's going to happen with it she's she's got the steam behind her it seems yeah. like so yeah we'll let you guys know once that happens and we'll let you guys know next week we're stepping away from the oscar movies we're going to be talking back on the action scale we, we saw some fighting, some CGI fighting a couple weeks ago with Kong and Godzilla. 
but now we're getting some classic video game characters back on the screen fighting and that's the mortal kombat whole realm now we don't know we obviously know a few characters are and aren't in it they were heavily publicized but you're getting the old scorpion you're getting sub-zero you're getting raiden a lot of the big names are showing up and we're gonna see how many fatalities we get and everyone's favorite lewis cole (laughs) (laughs) of course who could forget him yeah he was always my favorite to play. We always clamor and fight, me and my friends. No, I want to be him. <laughs> that was the one we went for. So, yes, Mortal Kombat next week we're talking about, as we mentioned, no news. But the Falcon and the Winter Soldier will be wrapping up. So we will talk about that whole season now that we have got to that point. As we've mentioned before and talked about before, we did the first episode. We forecasted a little bit what we thought was going to happen this season. So now we're gonna we're, now we're gonna put a bow on it, and with that, some surprises are coming with that. Now one of them we can tell you now. One of them is gonna surprise us if it happens. So we'll wait for that for next week. But Kyle, what's our surprise? Yes. Our surprise is we. I mean, we should just call ourselves Screen Rant Junior because we are gonna be having Screen Rant's own or uh, Screen Rant's own. I don't know why I said only. They have lots of editors molly freeman who has been covering a significant amount of marvel and falcon news and she is to my knowledge the person i know who loves captain america specifically chris evans captain america more than anyone i know so we're looking forward to having her on the show and she will be with us to quote I asked her if she wanted to review Mortal Kombat. And she said no. Cut. Let me read it precisely because <laughs> it was quite humorous. Let me one second. Ryan riff for a minute. Yes. So she will be joining us only for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. She has gracefully declined, not for Mortal Kombat, as we will find out. But we will find out again our other surprise next week as well, which will probably be for the whole episode if it does pan out. But we won't go into much further after that. But we are talking Mortal Kombat. We're not talking news. We're talking Falcon the Winter Soldier. So I asked her if she wanted to do both. And she some said, um, I'd rather just do Falcon, I think. So a polite decline, it seems, yeah, on that one. Which is totally fine. We may have a surprise for both of the segments for next week. But yes. And with just that. Just in case it doesn't pan out, we yeah, don't want to say. We're not going to put anything on the spot. Yeah. So with that, then, check out Nomadland. It's available on Disney+. Plus. I would assume it is in the States as well. Uh, but, of course, I don't know. I'm not in the States. That's for you guys to figure out. Just open up Disney+. Plus. They got your money already. So check out Nomadland. We'll see you for Mortal Kombat next week. We'll see you for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier next week. Thank you if you guys have listened on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, or Spotify. We appreciate you guys taking the time to give us a listen and spending some time with us. We're getting together, just talking movies, and we hope you guys are enjoying the ride with us. If you want to give us any sort of review, go ahead. That's all I'm going to say at this point. I've pleaded enough. I'm sick of it. Sick of looking at you guys. Check out Kyle's Twitch. Yes, Lugan17. I'm playing currently. 
I'm not gonna lie, I don't know if I'm gonna keep playing Bioshock. Those shooting mechanics are rough AF. But I'm thoroughly enjoying Sea of Thieves, which has been wildly entertaining. Uh, check out my Instagram, which is Lucan17, spelt uh, the number, because my most recent clip was me being struck by lightning. <laughs> there you go. You don't yeah, see so that every day. No, that's where my clips are posted if you want to see the clips. But yeah, um, I don't know what I'm going to be playing. I'm kind of just waiting till Ratchet and Clank comes out in June. I maybe bite the bullet and playing FF7 remake. I don't know. I'm 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 at a stalemate right now with what I play on my main dates. But yeah, I um if you're listening to this, um I might be live right now. You don't know. Might as well check Lugan17 Twitch.tv. There you go. All right, guys, that's it. We we've been living in the van down by the river long enough. We want a comfy bed, and some damn hot chocolate. We've earned it. Someone pass me the bucket. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Mortal Kombat next week. The quest has been good, but we've taken it beyond. <laughs>